0: We open our Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 4. We've been looking at these opening chapters in this letter, this sermon given to Christians learning what it is to follow after Jesus. And here in chapter 4, we've seen that the spiritual rest, the hope of eternal life that is offered by Jesus is better even than the rest, the spiritual rest of the promised land would have been for the people in the wilderness. Because Jesus is the king, the savior, our rescuer. And so here at the end of chapter four, we have a reminder of the power of God's word. Listen as I read Hebrews four, this is verses 12 through 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword it penetrates even dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart nothing in all creation is hidden from god's sight everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account let's bow in prayer Father in heaven, we thank you that your word speaks with power to us, that your word is sharp enough to to dig deep into the recesses of our hearts. And so, Lord, I pray that as we listen to the preaching of your word, we would understand who we are, who you are, and who we are meant to be. Lord, as we come, let your word convict us where we are in sin, but Lord, let your word provide comfort to us where we need hope. We thank you for your grace and mercy shown to us in Jesus, so we've come praying in Jesus' name. Amen. It was a horrific week for neighbors in the quiet city south of Atlanta. Recent law school graduate, Laura Giddings, she'd been reported missing, and her apartment showed evidence of a struggle. As police continued their investigation, reporters looked for ways to share the story with the community. So they turned to a tried-and-true interview method. Ask neighbors to share how shocked they are. So neighbors said things like this. I mean, this just doesn't happen in a neighborhood like ours. She was, she was a quiet neighbor, but she seemed so excited as she studied for, for the bar exam. I can't imagine anyone around here doing anything like this. Those kinds of reactions are understandable. It's hard to make sense of any kind of tragedy, and we don't want to admit that evil might be lurking in the neighborhoods in which we live. And spiritually, we don't want to look deep because we're afraid of what we might find. We might find sin and evil within us. We avoid looking into the deep recesses of our thoughts and attitudes for fear of what might be uncovered. But the word of God lays bare our lives. The word of God uncovers our sin and we will be called to give an account for our actions. And so the first truth I want us to see from from these two verses is that God's word is powerful. God's word brings judgment to sinners. Look back at verse 12, the description of the Word of God. For the Word of God is living and active. The Bible is not a, merely a historical book. It's not a, a collection of stories to entertain us. It's not an ethical textbook. The Word of God is living and active. God speaks to us when we read his Word. We expect to hear God and feel His, the, the, the impact of His Holy Spirit when we hear the preaching of God's word because God's word is living and active. And remember, in the context of, of chapter four of Hebrews, we've been hearing about God's word because we've seen a quotation repeatedly in chapters three and four of Hebrews from Psalm 95. If you skim just a, a few verses up from the, the place where we're reading, if you go back to, to chapter, to verse seven of chapter four, we have these words from from Hebrew or from Psalm 95, which has been repeated for us. Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts. God is speaking to us today, and so we are meant to hear, because God's word is living and active. God's word is powerfully before us. Verse 12 then gives us an image to, to see the power of God's word. The, the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. It is the sharpest sword imaginable. A, a double-edged sword that it, that, it, that it penetrates our our hearts and our lives. Now, the, the language here that it that it that divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it 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 can be confusing. It, but I think it's a it's a metaphor. It's not that God is we're trying to figure out how many parts could you cut a person into. Because actually the grammar is unclear. It's unclear whether whether the sword cuts between soul and spirit, as if dividing these two immaterial parts of who we are, or if if it's cutting between joints and marrow, or it's cutting between the spiritual and the physical, or or it's cutting it into four different parts. And and in some sense, it, it, it doesn't matter. What it's saying is the Word of God gets into the deepest recesses of who we are. It's not a passage about how many parts we're made of, because the Scriptures will will multiply those kinds of images. Just think of the way Jesus tells his followers of, of, of what it means to obey the command of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Other times the scriptures will throw in your, your strength and your spirit. It, it will it, Just multiplying these images, that God's word can, can get deep into who you are, into the deepest recesses of your personalities. God's word then judges, verse 12 tells us, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of your heart. God's word penetrates, as one commentator says, even our subconscious motives. It works deep in, into the recesses of our lives. And this is necessary because you and I are capable of deceiving ourselves. Re- remember, back in, in chapter 3, verse 13, we were given the, 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 the command that we were to encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. And remember, today is the day you hear the word of God. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. See, our knowledge, even of ourselves, is faulty and flawed because we spend a lot of time justifying our own actions, trying to forget our failures, and we need the Word of God. F.F. F. Bruce, the, the great Scottish Bible commentator of the previous century, He explains this passage. He says, we may conceal our inner being from our neighbors, and we can even deceive ourselves, but nothing escapes the scrutiny of God. God sees everything. See, we're easily deceived in our willingness because we in our willingness to justify our own actions. We're we're practiced at at coming up with excuses for our thoughts and attitudes. We, we're so settled in our ways sometimes that our very attitudes, well they don't even seem offensive to us. See, we need God's word to tell us the truth. To show us the thoughts and attitudes and brokenness within us. It's not naive for us as Christians to place our trust in God's word. And maybe today you, you think you know like it's I I can't get behind a religious system that takes an ancient book and forces it down people's throats today. But it's not naive to put our trust in God's word because we are so easily deceived. We actually need someone to to step and step before us and show us who we are. Actually, it would be naive to assume that you on your own would be a reliable source of knowledge about ultimate issues the humble position is to say i'm so good at deceiving myself i need somebody to tell me the truth and that's what god does in his word he shows us who we are he divides the soul and spirit joints and marrow he judges our thoughts and attitudes Laura giddings next door neighbor was a fellow law student graduate He was interviewed outside their apartment complex just a few days after Lauren's murder. Stephen McDaniel was repeating the kinds of platitudes the reporter had heard all week. I can't believe this happened here. It's such a tragedy. She had so much potential. But then the interview takes a turn. The reporter mentions a new detail that has just been released by the police. They've found Lauren's body and Stephen McDaniel's face goes white. He physically stumbles backwards. The reporter asks, are, are you all right? He goes and sits down on a, on a curb and just says, I, 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 I'm, I'm so surprised, he, he still is trying to play it cool. He thinks he's outsmarted the police, he's a law school graduate after all, but now that they found the body, he knows he's been caught, and it was all captured on film by a reporter and will be used against him. The police, when interrogating him, will say, you spoke so freely with the reporter and yet suddenly you don't know anything. Stephen McDaniel would plead guilty to the murder of his neighbor even as he tried to convince others that he was shocked by the crime. The moment when he stumbles back realizing that That he's caught it's a terrible moment the moment of realization when your worst behavior is laid bare and that is what is coming for each one of us when God will expose your sin because verse 13 tells us nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. You may have other people convinced that you're doing fine. You may even have convinced yourself you're doing fine, but God sees the truth. Your sin and brokenness laid bare. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You and I are going to be called to answer for all of our actions. Are you prepared to meet God and answer for your sin. God's word is powerful. In a, in a text message to a church member this week who sent me just a, a brief word of encouragement as I was preparing to preach, I sent back a, a summary of the sermon. I, I, I wrote back. I said, this is a challenging passage about the power of God's word, but also an encouragement that God's word is powerful. Now, in in the text message, you you, you probably can't hear what I'm trying to say. Our first point today was God's word is powerful. My second point today God's word is powerful. The the first, a, a warning of God's judgment that everything will be laid bare, that the word of God. It it, it pierces our lives and exposes our sin, and yet this passage still has such hope for us. That the same truth, that God's word is powerful, should be an encouragement as well to us. That God's word is living and active. God has not abandoned us He is still active in our midst that we still expect when we show up on a Sunday to hear from the word of God. When you open the word of God during the week, you expect God to speak to you. You expect the Holy Spirit to be active and involved in your life. God's word is powerful. God is still here. And this double-edged sword, it's always cutting. One commentator says, either to judge or to save. But God's word is always piercing into our lives. But it brings salvation to those who confess their sins. When the word warns us that everything is laid bare before God, that leaves us in our sin exposed before God, the one to whom we must give an account. And standing with our sin laid bare before us, we would have no hope except that God's word offers us real hope. God knows our sin, but he sent his Son to provide the forgiveness for our sins. He sent the Savior to die on the cross that our sins might be forgiven. And think of what Christ went through. The cross lays bare your sin and mine because it shows the depth of our need that the Son of God had to give his life for us, And in Christ, taking our sins upon himself, he, his humanity is laid bare for the world to see. His, his last garment stripped from him. The Son of God exposed because of my sin, and yet the Son of God willing to give his life for me. Jesus went to the cross, my sins on full display, so that my sins could be forgiven by the grace of God. And think of where, this, where this, these verses come in the context of, of the argument here in Hebrews. This, these verses are part of the, the argument that began, and, and we saw this in, in the, the sermons of previous weeks. It began in verse one with this great promise. Therefore, since the promise of entering God's rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short. And so while the word of God is powerful in exposing our sin, it's also meant to give us hope. The very reason that Psalm 95 is repeated for us today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts. It's an invitation that God's word is powerful enough to actually bring the real change that you need. When your sin laid bare, you can realize, I am hopeless if I were to make an argument for myself but I have hope because God gave his life. God sent Jesus to give his life for me. Now we often hear these, these verses in isolation. They're, they're verses that we, we would memorize to, to, to teach us something about how God's word is meant to act in our lives, but it's, but it's here in the context of chapter four. And so look at, look at the verse that comes right before it. Verse 11 is a warning. Let us therefore make every effort to enter God's rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. It comes as a word of warning for the word of God is living and active. It's a warning that God's, God is going to expose our sins, but, it, but it's also the transition to verses 14, 15, and 16, and we'll spend more time on this next week. That because God's word is living and active, because God will call us to give an account, therefore, since we have a great high priest, verse 14 tells us, who has gone through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. See, the word of God is, is the transition we need from that place of judgment, that your sins have been laid bare, to that, that, that word of promise, that the Son of God has come. The word which exposes our sin is the word which announces our salvation and gives us Have you ever been to the Philadelphia Museum of Art? That's a question we ask during Faith Explored, our Wednesday night series where we, where we walk through the big questions of life. And we ask the question because it's, it's, the, the Philadelphia Museum of Art is one of the largest museums in the country. There are more than 240,000 pieces of art on display in over 200 galleries that cover more than 1 million square feet of gallery space. And the challenge we lay before people in Faith Explored is to imagine a museum of that size dedicated to you. Every gallery filled with something from your life. Actually, when the museum opened almost 100 years ago, it was so big that it took them decades to actually fill the galleries. And so you can almost imagine, as you live your life, the galleries being filled up. Now, I imagine there would be parts of this museum you'd be delighted for people to see, to come in and see your great achievements, your successes, the, the way that you've invested yourself in serving others. But of course, if it's a museum that, that shows everything about you, every thought, word, and deed, it exposes your motives, then of course, I would think most of the museum you would want to keep off-limits. I don't want anyone to go there. I don't even want to ever walk in that room again. Because if, if our lives were laid bare for others to see, we would be ashamed of our sin. But when we confess our sins, we can find forgiveness. The word of God lays your life bare but the word of God offers you salvation. When you put your trust in Jesus, when you admit your brokenness and say, I cannot save, save myself, I, what, what account can I give of my life? Nothing from my life can justify what has happened. And so I throw myself upon your mercy, God. I put my trust in your son. I take hold of the forgiveness that he gives. Because God empties the galleries of our sin. God scrubs clean our dirty hearts. He gave his son Jesus to forgive our sins. The word of God is powerful. God judges our sin. The word of God is powerful. God offers us salvation. Let's bow in prayer as we come to the table of Jesus, our Lord. God of grace and mercy, we thank you for your love, your love on display in the ministry of Jesus, who is our Savior. Lord, we thank you that Jesus gave his life so that we could be forgiven of our sins. God, I pray for those that have listened to your word today without a faith, without a confidence, in their forgiveness. Lord, I pray that today, even now as we, as we sit and feel the weight of our sin, Lord, that your word would provide hope and comfort, that we would find the forgiveness of sins in the ministry of Jesus, who is our Savior. Lord, I ask that, that we who need comfort from your word would find it, that even as we come by faith to celebrate this supper, That it would point us to the work of Jesus, our Savior, who died on the cross, and would also give us hope that he is coming again. Lord, let your word have have full and free reign among us. May your spirit work in our midst. Father in heaven, we are grateful for your grace and mercy. So we come to you, praying in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.